Welcome. It's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Remember, we brought you this story as soon as it hit local news. A young lady at a Popeye's fast food restaurant physically assaulted, hair ripped from her very head. Physically assaulted, according to the police report that we have, by members of the employment staff at Popeyes, led by a shift manager. Well, we actually have the young lady on the program today for an in-depth exclusive interview. Miss Denitra Dawson was the victim of that horrible, tragic situation. And her attorneys are here as well, Attorney Davis. We also have Attorney Ed Jones, and we have law clerk Daryl Ford. Thank you all for being on the program. Wish it was under better circumstances. Uh, due to the sound issue, I want to go to Attorney Davis first, and then I'm going to go uh, to Miss Dawson. Attorney Davis, when you received this information, it was somewhat dated uh, because it had happened prior to our knowledge of it in the media. Tell us about how you came into receipt of this information and what was your initial sentiment when you saw the footage? Well, uh, again, Dr. Ritchie, thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Um, it really was quite shocking to be quite frank with you. Um, Ms. Dawson came to us and we really you know, sought out to do our due diligence and to you know, confirm all that she was sharing with us. And so uh, we requested the video footage from Popeyes. We requested it from the Solicitor General who were prosecuting the um, Popeyes employees who were involved. And I just found it, uh, you know, difficult to believe. And then, you know, as as we put it all together and, and continued to work with Ms. Dawson, it became clear that she was, attacked largely because they wanted her to move her car because she was backing up their their drive through number. She was having it increase because she's trying to correct her order. So this was just uh, really for me, uh, we've been doing this um, over 20 years, very, very um, different to have a um, Popeyes or any fast food restaurant really not properly trained. Um, they did not do a proper background check because the shift manager that was really one of the ringleaders had a history of this kind of violence, um, assaults, and a criminal record that that you know again should have been looked at. And, and again, we are at our firm, we employ people who have criminal backgrounds, so that's not an issue. It's the position that you put them in and the stress that you put them under, which concerned us. Um, I want to do this. Let's go to the, I think we have a photo of the injuries that Ms. Dawson sustained. Now, uh, that looks to be not only painful, but also uh, is a difficult thing to live with just in life. To have your hair ripped from your head in that fashion and having to go through life like that, um, at least for a period of time. Uh, Ms. Dawson. I know there's a federal, uh, there's a lawsuit now, and that lawsuit was recently filed. So I understand that you cannot get into the play by play of what took place. We respect uh, the authority of the court. Uh, but I do want to ask you about your, basically, your road to recovery. How did you feel when this initially happened? How has this adversely impacted you? I was scared. Um, 
I thought I was gonna lose my life. Um, embarrassed. Felt like uh, something was stolen from me. Basically, my identity. Mm. And I take very pride in my hair. So to have that much known, it, it did it do a lot to me. So I talk to my therapist on a daily basis because I can't get certain hairstyles. Wow. Wow. Um, let me go to Attorney Ed Jones. Attorney Jones, uh, naturally, this is something that anybody would say, whoa, wait, that's completely out of line for uh, employees to do. Um, as Attorney Davis said, there was a lack of adherence to normative protocol to make sure uh, that you are employing individuals who are at least um, safe for the community. Uh, and as Attorney Davis said, uh, there's no prohibition to hiring those who have a criminal background. You just have to know what it is and make sure that there's uh, um, some mitigation uh, so that nothing happens adverse to the customer. When you saw this case, sir, what was your first impression? Uh, you know, initially, Dr. Rich, the, it's, 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 it seems unbelievable that this type of attack can happen in our society. Uh, it, it, it's, it's absolutely abhorrent. Uh, what we have is basically a pressure cooker that that these employees at fast food restaurants now are dealing with because since the COVID pandemic hit, all the industries are trying to scramble to figure out how they can maintain their business with limited contact. For the fast food industry, it was let's maximize our drive-throughs. But what Popeyes has done is prioritized speed of service through the drive-through over due diligence. A, a simple background check would have, would have put them on alert that we might have an individual that we might not want to put in a, in a pressure cooker, mm. uh, especially with the type of background that they had. Uh, so it's unbelievable to me that they would ignore that uh, at the outset, even if they found out later to retain that type of person in that type of environment absolutely is unreasonable. And it goes against all that Georgia law stands for. Yeah. So we think Popeyes is responsible for its actions and its role in this. There's a term called um, negligent hire. Uh, and then you have negligent retention once you are aware, um, obviously, of a person's um, proclivity to a particular type of behavior. And once again, I want to stay for the record, this is not about being adverse to hiring people with a criminal background check. I have. Uh, individuals work for me that have criminal backgrounds. Um, so does the Davis firm, uh, Davis Bozeman firm, that's not an issue. Uh, but you gotta know your people so that you can put them in the best environment to win, to thrive, uh, to be successful. Uh, let me go to you, Attorney Davis. You said something that I think is worth highlighting because I am familiar with the practice that we talked about it here on Indisputable. Where there's an, a, there's basically a focus and a, I guess you would call it um, performance ratio connected to the time it takes to leave the drive-through. And I have literally been at a drive-through. They were late with an order. Uh, and the young man at the drive-through window said, hey, you know, can you can you pull up just a little bit because I'm now being penalized? I had no idea what he was talking about. Exactly. It made no sense to me. I looked it up and what you're talking about is the system that they use. Explain that system to us. So the, the process is 
from the time you enter the drive through line, they are being timed. And so part of how each employee and that shift is being evaluated is based on how quickly they're able to move them through that line. And so in our lawsuit, we lay out kind of the roadmap of how this has evolved and how significant it is now they do double drive through lines now. I mean, everybody knows and understands this. And as you stated, Dr. Richie, the most practical move was for them to just say, ma'am, can you pull up so we can keep our line moving and then we'll come out and bring you your corrected order. Uh, instead, they exit the Popeyes. They physically come out get behind her car and like you're gonna move your car and they decide that they're going to help her move her car. One of them jump into the vehicle, physically open up her passenger side door, jump in. The other one jumps, opens up her driver's side door and the three of them uh, attack her um, simultaneously um, in concert. And so this is the kind of violence that you just would expect a, a corporation such as Popeyes to um, foresee this is foreseeable and it should have been addressed. And unfortunately, uh, Ms. Dawson was really, she was terrified. She thought that she was going to be killed. Ms. Dawson, I heard you say in a previous interview, basically you didn't know if you were going to be able to see your family again uh, in the midst of this fight. Uh, did anyone offer an apology? Did Popeye's corporate reach out and say, listen, we're so sorry that this happened to you? No, sir. Um, to Attorney Davis, um, at this point, you all have sued, I think, the company that owns the franchisee. Um, there's a lawsuit against the individuals who were acting as agents of uh, this particular Popeyes. What is your hope at the end of this lawsuit? What do you want to change? We want corporations like Popeyes to understand that they have a responsibility to the community. In addition to hiring community members, they have a responsibility to make sure that every customer is safe. And that starts with who you hire, how you hire, how you train and supervise. That's the other piece is that the supervision. And so in this, we would hope that this will close with a message being sent to other corporations that you have to be more cognizant of that your hiring practices, your training and your supervision. That's the only way that we'll be able to avoid something as significant as this. This is something that Ms. Dawson has to live with the rest of her life. And people miss, they think that, oh, it's just hair, it'll grow back. But it's really more than that. It's particularly in the African American community, a woman's hair is her crown and that they would literally rip her crown off of her head um, is an attack on her personhood. I'm sure it was obviously extremely, not only physically painful, but psychologically painful and damaging. Uh, Ms. Dawson, for those who are supporting you around the world, what would you like to say to them right now? Um, thank you guys and just keep supporting me and bring awareness that nothing like this happened again. Thank you so much to Attorney Ed Jones in parting. What would you like to see? I heard what Attorney Davis said. What would you like to see at the conclusion of this lawsuit? Again, we want 
corporations as citizens of our state to, to operate just like every other citizen uh, with the responsibility that to other people, uh, not to harm them, to act reasonably. That's all that we can expect under Georgia law. That's what we want. Um, and this was a totally unreasonable reaction from these employees and this corporation. Um, and they have to understand that and we hope that they ultimately will come to that understanding. All right, and lastly, Attorney Davis, do you think the franchisee Popeyes will act in good faith now that this lawsuit has been filed? We're hopeful, um, we're very hopeful. We, we, again, we file lawsuits and we do what we do really as a last resort. Our first attempt is always to reach out and to try to address these issues so that it does not have to become a public spectacle. But unfortunately, that was not, um, and the opportunity was not presented. We were not able to address this, and so here we are. And so we, we again, we're moving in good faith. We're hopeful that we'll hear from them and we'll be able to figure out a way forward that addresses this and that sends a message. And again, uh, says to Ms. Dawson that what happened to you was unacceptable, that it should not have happened, and that we want to try to make you as whole as we can um, through this process. And let me make sure. We got this right. Even after the arrest, the footage, um, the obvious violations of law being perpetrated by agents of that company, you all attempted to have direct conversation. You attempted to have direct remedy. And whatever happened in that attempt led to this current lawsuit. Am I about right on that summary? You're, you're absolutely correct. And, and again, our hope is always, and, and you know, unfortunately, attorneys get a bad rap. Our, our attempt is about, we are here to help repair. When there is an injury in our community, the work that we do is to attempt to repair that injury by an acknowledgement. Part of what people who hire us, their reason for hiring is they're looking because they need somebody to stand up and fight because they're not being heard. And she has not been heard. Um, and so now it is our job to amplify the message so that the, not only Popeyes hears her, but the world can hear her clear that this should not have happened and that the injury that she has suffered uh, must be rectified. We're very thankful for law firms like David Bo, Davis Bozeman and also to Attorney Davis, Attorney Jones, uh, to uh, law clerk uh, Daryl Ford. We appreciate your representation and your advocacy. Uh, for the client and to Ms. Dawson, your future is bright. I just know you're in very good hands with these attorneys. They have a stellar reputation. I've known them for many years, very thankful for their continued advocacy for communities that are historically disenfranchised. Appreciate the time today. Thank you, Dr. Thank you. We Thank appreciate you. you, appreciate all that you do. Thank you. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Let me read some of these comments. Um, thank you all for joining the conversation. David Morris seems like a really sweet girl. Girl, why would you want to inflict violence on her? Exactly. Uh, Cookie, welcome to Indisputable. Thank you so much for your support. And on Twitch, Agnostic Sister. This is why I say the case had merit, and she absolutely should have sued the company. They are the employees, and the company can be held liable. That is correct. Um, and you have to know your employees to make sure they're in positions to be successful. That's how it works. All right, 
Uh, breaking down news of the day with me, none other than my sister Sharon Reed, host, commentator, TYT Sports, all-star contributor. Always fascinating to have on the program. All right, top story of the day, the King Center. Yes, Bernie's King, daughter of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has now weighed in on the Cop City saga. Let's put up a picture full mass. Bernice King happens to be a good friend of mine. We talk off record quite often. And she has now joined the conversation officially. She's been part of the conversation unofficially. And she has one request through the King Center. Allow the people to vote, allow the people to vote. I'm going to give you some background. Now first, let me remind you of the Let's just say recording that we broke right here on indisputable of Atlanta officers allegedly talking about the raid against nonprofit board members who were bailing people out of jail. Here it is. Anybody else think that that warrant that they served today and the arrest are just guaranteed shenanigans next Monday and Tuesday? Yep. Actually, maybe tomorrow. I think they're supposed to have their first appearance tomorrow. I'm here for all of it. Matter of fact, just do it all June. Trying to get uh, get my backyard done. I mean, it could go the opposite way. I mean, we've been putting pressure on them and attacking them from all different angles. At some point, they, they've got to give up. I mean, especially if we're going after all the money. It, it could shut them down. Yeah, I'm just waiting. Like, couldn't they wait until, like, Wednesday of next week to do this? Is that when you're off? <laughs> no, that's when all this, the finance committee would have been done, would have been done by Wednesday. Ah, uh, okay. I don't know, they had to send a message. I get it, but I mean, think about it. If if they had just defeated the thing in, you know, in council, which, you know, they're finally going to vote for the money and everything's going to go through. And then the coup de Gracie is oh, right after you failed Two days in a row, we serve a warrant on you. Drew, that's what they did the last go around. I guess they wanted to, uh, you know, go ahead and get it over with. I guess they thought it was going on the offensive. According to the anonymous individual who submitted this to Indisputable, you're listening to three APD officers discuss among themselves via radio communications their knowledge of a targeted attempt to dissuade support for the Stop Cop City movement. So much so that these nonprofit organizers who routinely organize bail funds in the city of Atlanta and outside of the city were specifically targeted. They were raided, homes kicked in in order to send a message. If you remember my original reporting, I highlighted that the judge who had to set bond in the case said this looked to be a violation of free speech. He told the government this does not pass the smell test to him. There's more. The King Center and other groups have now joined with activists and calling on the city of Atlanta to put the planned public safety training center, aka Cop City, up for a vote. 
In a statement on Monday, the nonprofit, which is run by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter, Bernice King, said Atlanta leadership was not transparent with the public in its decision concerning the development of the $90 million, 85 acre training center, which opponents call Cop City. Calling the city's actions a misstep and a missed opportunity, she's completely correct. The King Center also argued that Atlanta leaders are not considering the hundreds of voices opposing the facility. One of those voices we interviewed right here on Indisputable, his name is Marlon Couts. And Marlon Couts was one who was arrested, home kicked in. We also interviewed Reverend Kiana Jones, who lives in East Atlanta, where the development is happening. Her grandmother lives in that area as well. She has roots in the community. See, I want you to understand what happened here. The city of Atlanta did not ask East Atlanta, can they do this? Let me contextualize it properly for those who live in Metro Atlanta. You have an area in Metro Atlanta called Buckhead. If there's going to be something in Buckhead, they don't ask the city overall, they ask the residents of Buckhead. Do you want this here, Buckhead residents? And the Buckhead residents will respond. And typically they get exactly what they want. But in this case, they decided not to ask Mama Dem in East Point, but bulldozed ahead anyway. I'm going to remind you of the sermon that was preached at the Atlanta City Council. Kiana Jones, we had on the program after this sermon went viral. Here it is. This Atlanta City Council. My name is Reverend Kiana Jones and I stand here before you as a member of the Faith Coalition to Stop Cop City. And I'm looking at each one of your faces and I really want to understand how it is that you asked people to vote for you and then ignored their voices. How it is that you feel okay with yourself lauding Abel Mabel who had a lot to say about treating people right who had a lot to say about the words of the Bible that many of you like to quote. Well, let me remind you of something. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked, that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So understand this, that the sins of the father will be visited on the children. It has happened time and again. So it may not happen to you, but what about your child? What about their children? What about their children's children's children? What will your legacy be? You so-called legacies of black misleadership sitting up here on this council. Let me tell you something, representation is not enough when you don't represent the people who elected you. The people came out and spoke clearly. And let me go to the Bible one more again and say that we are here as clergy to cry loud and spare not. We are opening our mouths and crying with a loud voice to say that we don't want Cop City. I live in East Atlanta. I don't want Cop City. I got five black children. I don't want Cop City. I like breathing clean air. I don't want Cop City. I want to drink clean water. I don't want Cop City. I don't want Black Hawk, black hawk helicopters landing around the corner from my house. I don't want Cop City. The Atlanta Solidarity Fund is an organization in the city of Atlanta, organized after the killing of Rayshard Brooks, because protesters went to the street. I was one of them. I helped organize as well as coordinated 
bond money. The group is a righteous group. I remember at about four o'clock in the morning, we're at the Fulton County Jail. I handed someone a $100 bill. I said, get you something to eat, go to Waffle House or IHOP or something. They said, no, doc, put that in the fund too. So when they got raided, I knew good and damn well they were targeted. These folks won't accept money. The home that was raided is falling apart. They all live in that house together to pull their money so that they can have optimal money to contribute to causes. These are people that live what they preach. So they raided them thinking this would stop the movement and momentum. Marlon Couts was one who was arrested. We had him on the program, here's what he said. I've been saying when it first happened, you know, when, when uh, you know, what happened was I woke up um, to the sound of my front door being broken down by a battering ram. That was the first that I learned that any of this was happening. Um, and, and when it first happened, I thought that it must be a mistake. It was so surreal, so preposterous of, a, of an attack. Uh, that I thought this, you know, had to be uh, unintentional in some way, but uh, but it was far from that. You know, as we've learned since then, um, you know, officers, uh, dozens of SWAT officers surrounded the house. They had automatic weapons. They had riot shields. They had come ready for a fight. They were planning to throw flashbang grenades into my living room um, before we were fortunately able to quickly. Surrender, be arrested. Um, but this kind of raid is is the kind of militarized response that you expect to be sent against a drug kingpin, you know, not the administrators of a nonprofit organization. Um, it's absurd to the point of, of theatrics, you know, and I think that really is, you know, as that recording suggests, this was intended not as a legitimate law enforcement response. This was intended as a message. It was intended as a threat to us as well as to any other grassroots political organizers in the city. Um, that you are in danger and you are a target if you continue to oppose the agenda of Cop City. If you recall, the very judge that they had to go in front of after the arrest told the government, this looks to be a free speech violation. The government was asking for no bond, saying that these individuals posed a danger to the society. I've called for the city to rip up the contract they currently have. I like mem- members of city council, some of them. I like the mayor, don't like him enough to turn my back on Mama them. He should have done the right thing from day one. He had the opportunity to, you can engage in contractual breach, pay the penalty. According to the numbers that I saw, that penalty would be less than what you are spending in the overage of this. So let's get back to Bernice King. Despite, despite the ardent opposition shared during public comment and in protest, city leadership and most city council members and Mayor Dickens insist that the majority of residents across districts are in favor of the council's collective decision to use public funding for the project. The letter from the King Center and other groups reads in part, pointing to the copious disagreement about where and how the training center should be built. The King Center says the tension should be addressed by the city through public vote. Quote, in a time of crisis in housing, health, poverty and justice, 
if the city of Atlanta intends to use 31 million of public dollars, the responsible and democratic approach is to allow the public to vote on whether this is how their government should spend their money. The letter reads, now what is the 31 million? That's the city's responsibility, so that's your taxpayer responsibility. Then you got private companies and you have the police foundation, the Atlanta Police Foundation, they're kicking in a bunch of money too. But then in the final analysis, guess what? It looks like the city of Atlanta is going to pay tens of millions of dollars more than the 31 million that was suggested in the beginning. Which by the way, creates an opportunity for once again, breach of contract. It costs more than we thought, it's called unconscionability. Cannot perform based on the new structure of the monetary allowance, easy. I'm not even finished law school that I know that. They definitely have attorneys that can articulate it. Uh, organizers say they need about 58,203 signatures by August 14th to qualify for the November ballot. I'm going to explain this in a moment. The equivalent of 15% of registered voters of the last city election. But they set the higher goal of 70,000 knowing that some will be disqualified. If that's not reached until late August or September, the refer referendum wouldn't happen until March. When a competitive GOP uh, presidential primary could turn out conservative voters and hurt its chances. The city also could move forward with construction in the meantime, unless the judge intervenes. The campaign actually got a boost after the US District Judge Mark Cohen ruled that the city had imposed an unlawful requirement that those collecting signatures had to be residents of Atlanta. And that's insane, but that was a stipulation placed by the city. A group of people who live in DeKalb County, just outside of the city sued. The structure itself, the development actually is partly in DeKalb County. It's in DeKalb annexed Atlanta, saying they should be allowed to join the canvassing effort and noting that the planned site for the training center itself is in DeKalb County, unincorporated DeKalb County, outside of the city limits. Now, I want you to understand the city has filed lawsuit after lawsuit to stop, to stop the activists, to stop the community concern that is continuing to permeate. They said, "Oh no, it's a frivolous suit. Oh, they can't do this. They cannot overturn the will of the council." Camden County, Georgia did it just a couple of years ago. It was upheld by the Georgia Supreme Court that at the end of the day, the citizens have the final say so, period. Now you have case law, regardless of your statutory policy. There's more, requiring signatures, re requiring signature gatherers to be residents of the city imposes a severe burden on core political speech and does little to protect the city's interests in self-governance, the judge wrote. The city has offered no specifics as to why permitting non-residential plaintiffs to gather signatures will cause any disruption to the political process. There's more, organizers have modeled the referendum after a successful effort in coastal Georgia where Camden County voted overwhelmingly last year to block county officials from building a launch pad for blasting God knows what into space in the middle of their community. 
They said, hell to the null. Camden County moved forward. The Georgia Supreme Court in February said unanimously, they upheld the legality of the Camden County citizen referendum. Though it remains an open question whether citizens can veto decision of city governments. So you have an issue of potential reciprocation. Camden is a county government. A city is a municipality. They do have different structural rules, but they should operate in essence basically the same. At the end of the day, they are voted in. They are elected officials. They are engaged in taxation by way of constitutional and statutory dynamics. The citizens should still have the final say. If there was no there there, do you think the city would be fighting good hearted, faith filled? Progressive, thoughtful individuals, no. And it has come to a point now that the actual king center in the middle of the city is completely flat footed, 10 toes down involved. Dear brother, to the mayor, sir, you are losing your way. You are losing your way, dear brother. There's an opportunity here. You told us you were different than the rest. I still believe you are. I know it's tough, man. I've been there. I'm there routinely, actually. Walking away with your integrity. It has its own power and satisfaction. Sharing thoughts. Oh, Dr. Richie, I have chills. I have chills about what you've reported. Congratulations on another exclusive that has far reaching implications. The Atlanta I know and love and these progressive constituents can lead us out of this. Yep. And they can help other great cities out of this. But what you have described rises to the level, I believe, of Department of Justice interaction. We're, we're, we're on the threshold of that conspiracy, yeah. civil rights conspiracy, deprivation of rights under color of law. You yeah. are right there. You understand the law. I, I don't have any legal training. This is incredibly serious and I hope that the mayor, I too believe, is a good man, can be pulled from this ditch of deception. This is incredible. We will bring updates as they develop. Obviously, they have until roughly the 14th to gather the signatures. I think they're going to smash that record. Obviously, there will be another court appeal, unfortunately, by the city. Do you remember the story? About a paramedic, this woman smothered a black man to death. Well, there's an update. The judge has decided to be lenient, decrease her bond because, well, she's a mother. I want to remind you of the video. Here it is. Watch your noggin. I know it's cold. I know it's cold. Yep, keep going. Keep going. Oh, negative. Come on, buddy. Now get up on there, man. 
Come on, get up on there, old bud. They can't get you there if you don't get on the cot. Get up on there, Earl. Get the bed on wheels. Get up there. All right, we're spinning them around. I'm going to put them on. Stand up. Stand up. All right, Earl, this is getting a little silly, man. There we go. Until he gets in there. If he gets in there. He'll find his way to dead weight off of that thing. Oh, he's strapping that good. <laughs> they killed him. Put up the picture full mass. Earl Moore Jr. was improperly strapped into that gurney by Peggy Finley and Peter Cottigan. Now, I'm going to give you some background that will make your blood boil. Now, I want to remind you, young man was having hallucinations because of alcohol withdrawal. The judge has significantly lowered the detention bond. For EMS worker Peggy Finley, who is facing murder accusations for what she did to a black man in Illinois. On Friday, August 4th, Peggy Finley appeared in court to determine whether she would need to maintain a bond of one million as she defends herself against charges related to the compressional and positional asphyxiation death of Mr. Earl Moore Jr. This happened on December 18th, 2022, right before Christmas. According to ABC 20, according to a Sagamon County State Attorney, Dan Wright, Earl Moore Jr., 35 year old resident of Springfield, lost his life while under the care of two EMS workers, Finley and Peter Canigan. Moore was hallucinating from alcohol withdrawal as he was being restrained face down on a gurney. That's against the law, against the ruling against the um, rules and policy, law and crime reports. Both EMS workers have been apprehended and are now charged with first degree murder. After an autopsy found that asphyxiation was the cause of death uh, due to the stress they caused that night by way of the restraint. Finley faces first degree murder charges, a serious charge, right? Prosecutors say, quote, she performed acts which caused the death of Earl Moore. Junior, without legal justification, in that said defendant and Peter Cadigan. Tighten restraints across Earl Moore Jr.'s back and lower body in the prone position and transported, transported Earl Moore Jr. to St. John's Hospital, thereby causing a death by compressional and positional asphyxia. Said defendant, knowing based upon her training, experience, and the surrounding circumstances that such acts will cause. Uh, would create a strong probability of bodily harm or death. Now remember, uh, they are trained to specifically not do this. Literally in their training, they're told, all right, you see this? 
Don't ever do that to a human being. Because if you do this, they will either A, have a severe bodily injury or B, they would die. So don't ever do this. They took a test. The test poses the question, can you do this? They answer the question correctly. No, you can't do this. They get certified. You see a black man who's hallucinating because of alcohol withdrawal. They do what they're told will kill a human being. There's more. Finley's legal team quested a reconsideration of the seven figure bond aiming to secure a more affordable amount that she could manage. This wasn't the first occasion that Finley sought a reduction. Her previous two attempts were unsuccessful. Despite her past failures, an appellate court has now granted a reduction from 1 million to 600,000. According to published rulings, justices said that the circuit court abused its discretion by denying the other motions filed by Finley's lawyers. According to the video, Springfield police responded to a call to Moore's apartment after a woman frantically reported the man's hallucination. She leads them inside, directing them to Moore's bedroom. Officers came into the house and saw the 35 year old black man lying in bed, sweating, disoriented. They, uh, they then called the ambulance after assessing his awareness. After about 15 minutes, Finley and Cottigan enter. Finley seemingly tries to help Moore, grabbing his arm as he's on the floor. In the recording, she's yelling at him saying, quote, quit acting stupid, sit up now. I'm not playing with you today. You're going to have to get up and walk because we ain't carrying you. I'm seriously not in the mood for this dumb ish. That's how the paramedic is talking. There's no indication the police talked in that manner. Finley continued in the episode before he dies. The appeals court recognized Finley's role as a mother. A mother of four and a grandmother of six decided to overturn the trial court's decision that had twice refused to lower the bail for the defendant. Wow. They considered that even though she's a paramedic who murdered a man while on duty, she's a grandmother. She's a mother. So naturally, she has to be more important than the black man who's dead or the family he's connected to or the justice that should be served. Don't you find it ironic that the police arrive, they don't kill him, they don't arrest him? They say, oh my goodness, this man is obviously going through a mental health crisis. Let's call the ambulance. Yeah, let's do that. Get the ambulance on the phone. Let's get him over here. This guy doesn't need to go to jail. Ambulance comes and kills him. Sharon thoughts. It is ironic, Dr. Ritchie. And I my question is, is it impossible to hold white woman tears accountable? Mm. Is it impossible? It let's just admit it, because I'm not in the mood for this dumb-ish today. No. Quoting Peggy Finley, okay? Yep. And the appeals court went further in saying, she's not violent. They what now? She's mm -hmm. up for Murder charges. Murder, that's right. Murder charges. And I think the one thing they got right is saying they should consider her role as a mother. Child services should be involved. That's right. Child services should be involved to this mother of four, grandmother of six. She's not fit based on her own conduct that we do know about. You made a hell of a point, 
Uh, so you mean to tell me she still has what custody mm-hmm. of grandchildren, children? What? I don't understand this. She's in jail for murder. Uh, and I've never heard any judge refer to a black defendant who never had any criminal history before, but all of a sudden murdered somebody to say, but you know what? You know, they're really not violent. This is the only time that they've part. done something like this, right? We, we're going to give them a reduced bond because it's the first time they've been accused of murder. All right. Um, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. A lot of show left. Well, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel great. Back off. I've had trouble. There's an African American man threatening my life. All right. Can we put the graphic back up for just a That is what you call an OG grocery chair Karen. She did not care that she was being arrested. She kept the same energy the entire time. Uh, now, obviously, you know Trump supporter galore, all of that stuff. Here's what's happening. It's actually a beautiful thing if you consider it in the proper context. Why is she saying these things? Uh, this is my country. We're going to take our country back. Screaming, absolutely nothing audible, nothing that's you know, uh, nothing you can understand. Why is she doing? It? Because The grip, the grip of white supremacy and the culture that permeates from it is being challenged in such an effective way that the collective frustration of these individuals will show itself sometimes at Walmart. That's it. They don't know what else to do. This is indicative of the reality of the fight. Uh, They feel as if they own the country. They can regulate your movement. They can act in ways that are criminal without any penalty. We just covered the Riverfront Park situation where white male criminals jumped on the security officer who was simply doing his job. And others came in the defense of the security officer. Uh, sharing thoughts here. Well, I 
I think you hit the nail right on the head. This is about entitlement. This is about white privilege. This is about around and find out, okay, when someone swims up to that dock in Montgomery, Alabama and checks you. That's what yeah. it really means. Um, so we'll see more of this. And um, the indoctrination is real, but the come up might be worse. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We have an indisputable exclusive. A woman has been subjected to racism and animal cruelty. Let's put up the picture full mass so you can see this, okay? A woman in West Virginia is experiencing vandalism, trespassing, cruelty toward her animals, and racial discrimination from her own neighbors, according to her. Her animals have even been poisoned. You see proof of the poisoning there, her property has been vandalized in a in the form of an unknown blood-like substance on her animal feeders and other unknown substances on her car, attracting a multitude of bugs. She's even heard racial slurs on her ring video doorbell camera. We were able to independently review and confirm the wording. It says her camera gave an alert upon listening to the audio, the ugly word, N word was heard. She is spent and exhausted after seeking help to no avail. We're going to get into that. She has filed multiple police reports. Let's put them up. She has filed multiple police reports of these, as well as other multiple incidents with her neighbors, such as racial discrimination against her 13 year old son, open mail, and trespassing. She told us, unfortunately, nothing has come of any of these investigations, which the local police department did in fact confirm directly with indisputable. Quote, the case regarding her chicken feeder and poisoning her goats, the vandalism to her chicken feeder remains unsolved. The alleged poisoning of her goats remains unsolved. Tampering with with her milk, no suspects identified. I have empathy for her and her situation. I assure you that the Wayne County Sheriff's Department doesn't discriminate against anyone based on race, end quote. Uh, this is going to be an interesting uh, developing story because as it stands now, there's uh, evidence obviously of someone menacing uh, this individual. She is so terrified that she did not want to go on air. She did not want her picture shown, okay? But her advocacy remains the same. She would like these crimes solved. Whoever is doing it to be held accountable. Now, I don't want to be in a position where at some point in the future, and I'm talking about law enforcement, I would not want to be in that position. That something happens. You all had all of the evidence required to do a full and exhaustive investigation. I mean, maybe set up a surveillance van down the street. Possibly increase the travel route of your officers. Maybe knock on some doors, take some fingerprint from those devices. Anything. All right, sharing thoughts here. Wayne County, West Virginia, 98% white, less than 1% black. The KKK was so dominant there that they had overflow at their meetings, okay? This woman's in danger. And the statement by the uh, law enforcement is laughable. 
Maybe she can call Senator Joe Manchin and see if he can maybe make some calls and help out. I wonder how that, that'll do. Yeah, we'll see. Interesting dynamic. So a sentence has been vacated. Why? Because the judge said that man just looks like a criminal. I'm not kidding. Put up the picture full mass. Now, this is quite insane. In Michigan, LaRon Liggins on the right had his drug charges vacated. Vacated last week after US District Judge Stephen Murphy III on the left said, looks like a criminal during a pretrial hearing. Violating the man's right to due process. That's a constitutional violation. Let me give you background on the case. According to NBC News, Ron Higgins, a Liggins, excuse me, was sentenced to more than 10 years in prison for two drug charges, was indicated by the Michigan grand jury, uh, indicted, excuse me, by the Michigan grand jury in February 2018 on a charge of conspiracy to possess with the intent to distribute heroin in 2019. A count of aiding and abetting possession with intent to distribute heroin was also added to the indictment. During Liggett's pretrial hearing on January 2020, the US District Judge Stephen Murphy III became frustrated with Liggins after he changed his attorney multiple times. That's a right that you have, which continued to delay the trial. While voicing his frustrations about Liggins and the delays, the judge said he was tired of this case. What do you want me to do? This guy looks like a criminal to me, end quote. Judge Murphy said, this is what criminals do. This isn't what innocent people do who want a fair trial, end quote. Judge, let's put them back up. Sir, everybody is actually judicially innocent unless they are proven judicially guilty. You are not the court of public opinion. You are the presiding judge over the rights of the defendant. That is your actual job. You literally decided to bypass all of your years of law school, attorney training and judicial training to say something like this on the absolute record, understanding it is completely contrary to the due process clause of the US Constitution and your prime operation as a judge. How many times have you done this before is my question. And I'm glad you did it this time because at least we'll know you're not the guy who will call balls, balls and strikes, strikes and protect the rights of individuals who come before you. There's more. After the judge said these comments, LaRon Liggins filed a motion to have the judge recuse, which Murphy denied, which was dumb as hell. Although he did apologize once again admitting to his remarks, explaining that he uh, lost his head, end quote, but could still be fair, right? Even though he thinks, yeah, yeah, this guy's guilty. He could still be fair during the trial. 
I give Mr. Liggins the same rights and opportunities to hear to demonstrate his innocence or lack of guilt as any other litigant. And I believe that my conduct at the final pretrial conference and in today's hearing do not evidence any bias. <laughs> I mean, it's laughable. You say the man's guilty in your opinion, that does not provide evidence of bias. Wow, however, a three judge panel, yep, they disagreed with him. Uh, the three judge panel from the US District Court of Appeals disagreed with Murphy and their appeals opinion arguing that the court has a duty to protect against all appearance of bias. According to the opinion, when Judge Murphy refused to recuse himself, he was violating Ligon's Fifth Amendment rights, which ensure the right of a fair trial. Since the panel of judges didn't rule on the evidentiary issues, federal prosecutors could still file for a new trial. But as of now, LaRon Liggins is no more sentenced to 10 years. Well, there you have it. Share your thoughts. This is legal cut and dry. Bill's yep. court made they made the right decision here. Well, what does a criminal look like in 2023, Dr. Richie? Would be my question. I mean, if you just keep it on cable news, it looks more like Judge Murphy than Mr. Liggins these days. Maybe yeah. with the orange hue, spray tan, but it looks more like Judge Murphy. Okay. Especially given the recent behavior we have seen displayed by Amen. the judge. Ohio cop attacks his own eight year old child. Put him up for a mass. Christian Idol and a Sonia and Sonia police officer was arrested after allegedly attacking an eight year old child. Uh, Christian Idol has been with the Ansonia police for about six years. This was his stepchild. The mother, Mackenzie Bell and her two sons have been living with him for the past three months. Um, this is obviously a very heinous and awful thing. Uh, the incident happened on uh, Thursday, August 2023. Bell said she never could have imagined what happened that night. Quote, I was out in the garage, I was on the phone on hold. Just kind of trying to get my stuff together. And slowly the kids kept coming out of the garage and saying, hey, Krisha wants to know this, Krisha wants to know that, Bell explained. She said Idol came into the garage and claimed her eight year old son had lied about something. He said she needed to get her son out of the house. Quote, he instantly walks back in the house and I follow behind him. And by the time I can get all the way in the house, Officer Idol is on top of my eight year old son, kicking him, punching him. Bell said. Bell said she was able to pull Idol off her son and take the kids somewhere safe before calling 911. According to the arrest affidavit, Idol grabbed the boy by his neck, spanked him, and kicked him. He's bruised literally all the way around his bottom torso. So his hips, his legs, butt, everything is so bruised at this point that you can't even see what the real color of his skin is. Bell explained. Ida was arrested that night by the Dark County Sheriff's deputies. He was charged with domestic violence and strangulation. He was released from jail with a $20,000 bond. The police chief, Frank Shapiro, confirmed Ida was placed on administrative leave. 
but also said the officer actually turned in his two week notice days before the incident. Idol's last day with the department uh, is next week. Okay. You have to imagine if a man will decide to treat an eight year old that looks up to him like a father. That if he would do that to an eight year old child, what has he done as a police officer on the streets in his local jurisdiction? You see, it's important to open up the files. It's important to open up these cases because typically when there is one corruption or one element of corruption, it is not linear. It's always multifaceted, it permeates into different areas. It harms different people. So while the eight year old took those hits, was abused, please keep in mind at some point in his career, very likely somebody should have made an example out of that cop. Put him in handcuffs, allowed him to face justice. But this is what happens when we don't. We don't hold people accountable who have a history of violence, who have a history of um, extreme and aggressive misconduct. What you're doing is allowing them to victimize others and in a way, in a way, you are responsible for that. If you were in authority to do something, you did not a damn thing. Now I guarantee you, when we do the background, it's gonna come up. You had a history of violence, every time we're correct. Share your thoughts. He's still not being held accountable. $20,000 bond, domestic violence, strangulation. Yep. Exactly. This is felony child abuse in front of other children, in front of other children, presumably there as well. Yep. This is a monster. And I don't want to hear about the chief and something about two weeks. And it's all suspect to me. And this is just a travesty. Yeah, we'll bring you updates as they develop. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Sick of stuff. A Queen's doctor has been accused of extreme and heinous crimes. Put up the picture full mass. It's a damn shame. Z Chang, 33, according to the allegations against him by multiple women, is a predatory New York doctor, has been indicted on 50 counts, including 26 crime charges for drugging and violating at least six women while filming the assaults. Some sources are quoting more than 13 victims. 33 years of age, a gastroenterologist at New York Presbyterian Queens was initially arrested in December after his girlfriend claimed the doctor knocked her unconscious at his Astoria apartment using a surgical mask stuffed with cotton balls soaked in an unknown liquid. In addition to discovering assault videos, prosecutors said numerous drugs, including fentanyl, ketamine, LSD, and surgical anesthesia were found in his home. The doctor was arraigned and indicted on three counts of sexual violation, 10 counts of predatory assault, seven for sexual abuse, and four, account, four counts of assault. Prosecutors announced this on Monday. Um, his patients included um, women he dated, and one was actually 19 years of age. Prosecutor said he sexually violated a woman whom he met on a dating app. And videos of her assault 
a small brown bottle was visible on his bed, according to the authorities, who said they recovered a similar bottle from his apartment that contained a very powerful anesthesia. And in a third episode that summer, a 19 year old woman has sought treatment, treatment at the hospital for severe pain. Mr. Chang, the doctor, performed an unnecessary rectal exam and later injected the woman's IV line with an unknown substance and then sexually assaulted her as well. Her lawyers and the prosecutors have stated this for the record. Prosecutors urge that there are likely more victims. And these victims may be difficult to find given the wide area that these assaults span and that many, many likely have no memory of the incident. Uh, We're highlighting this story um, to bring awareness just in case there are the victims in the world. The New York Presbyterian system fell under scrutiny related to Mr. Haddon's case agreeing along with another hospital uh, to a $236 million settlement uh, with more than 220 patients. It also employed a former urologist, Darius Padu, was charged in April with sexual abusing a Manhattan patient when the patient was actually a minor. This among other incidents has called into question the facility, which has had another sexual abuse incident with a urologist against a minor. At least five other unidentified women were assaulted at hotel rooms or in homes in New York, Las Vegas, San Francisco, and Thailand over the past several months, several years, excuse me, according to videos, data that the prosecution said they have in a statement. Melinda Katz, the Queens DA, urged anyone with potential leads about other victims to come forward. Ms. Katz said the evidence revealed, quote, a sexual predator of the absolute worst kind, a serial rapist who was willing to violate every standard of human decency. Um, This is a very serious, serious, serial criminal enterprise. If anyone has been adversely impacted, hell, if this person was your doctor, is your doctor, please contact the authorities. All right, share your thoughts. Yes, Dr. Ritchie, and serious, serious, serial enterprises like this don't just happen in a vacuum. You talked about that settlement. Yeah. I think that the charges maybe, maybe could be extended to an institution. I'd like to look under the hood of that settlement. That's what right. did you know? That's right. And what did you fail to disclose when there is a mandate to disclose? Popeye's workers, according to the narrative, came outside of the building, went into a customer's car, and did this. Pulled out her hair. She provided some commentary about what happened. Let's keep that picture up. One of the things she said was, I was thinking, why me? She was also thinking she would not get back to her family during the assault. The individuals involved were arrested. They have been charged. There's a lawsuit now. Attorney Davis has filed a lawsuit. Let's put up parts of the complaint. It says complaint comes now. Denitra Dawson, who's the plaintiff, 
and hereby makes and files this complaint against 755 Restaurant Corporation, DBA Popeyes Louisiana Kitchen, defendant, Tanista Evans, Tanise Taylor, Zaria Evans, and shows this honorable court the following. Parties jurisdiction and venue one. Plaintiff, Denitra Dawson is a resident of the state of Georgia and files this action against the defendant, 755 Restaurant Corporation, DBA Popeyes. Tanista Evans, Tanise Taylor, and Zaria Evans. To hold the defendant Popeyes accountable for his employees, violent attack upon and physical beating administered to Ms. Dawson on September 3rd, 2022, causing her to suffer injuries, harms, and losses for which the defendants bear moral and legal liability. Um, we have been in communication directly with the attorney, the lead attorney on this case. Uh, the young lady who was attacked, obviously this was an extreme experience. And now the wheels of justice, at least civil justice are moving in the right direction. One of the dynamics involved is that the local restaurant owner, according to the report, did not properly do a background check on individuals who are working there. Now I'm no advocate of dismissing folk because they've had a previous run in with law enforcement, not at all. I have companies myself, we hire individuals who have had entanglements with law enforcement, I have no problem with that. Typically there's a process to make sure that we are operating both in good faith. I don't think Popeye's had any process whatsoever because they, according to the report, didn't even bother. And this has been something systemic inside of black communities in particular. We wanna make sure that there's opportunity for rehabilitation, there's opportunity for mentorship, there's opportunity for training. Correction has its place. But if you don't even bother to check, if you don't even bother to check, and it is the custom, the policy, and the rule. Well, what are you saying about the people you serve? All right, um, we shall see as this story develops. But Jeff, this was a hell of a thing because according to the complaint, the young lady simply went back to get the order fixed mm-hmm. or updated because the order was incorrect. Yeah, and when you uh, presented this last week, as uh, far as news goes, I didn't know this was the family affair. So apparently, as you just alluded to, Tanister Evans and her sister and her daughter attacked a woman who was getting food for her family. So imagine yeah. that a family of individuals almost prevented someone from going home to their own family. Like that is devastatingly sad, just for something that's seemingly simple, like Burger King made a whole statement, logo, slogan about this thing, have it your way. They'll fix your order or prepare it correctly. And Popeye's employees apparently had an issue with it, jumped in the passenger seat of the car and attacked the woman. Yep, you know, if the company would have taken uh, the normative steps to make sure there was a background, if there was an issue, the person provides a statement uh, explaining what happened, explaining their transformation. These things are quite common uh, in the workplace. But when you don't do that, and when you don't have any of these explanations on file, well, now you have a liability because you did not do due diligence at all. You could have Mm -hmm. come with the same outcome, meaning the person is employed. But the fact that you did not do any due diligence to mitigate liability, you now have full liability because you did nothing. So here's what happened. It looks like an employee at a Dollar General said something inappropriate to a 12 year old child. Well, that 12 year old child, has a fully grown dad who decided to confront 
the worker. Here it is. My wife and daughters just came up here and bought some pads for my daughters who are 12 years old. And you cracked the joke and embarrassed my wife and embarrassed my daughters. You think that's okay? I wasn't trying to embarrass anybody. You cracked a joke about buying pads. There were 12-year-old girls are buying pads. They just started the period. I wasn't making a joke about them. What were you making a joke about? I had said, do you need a bag? And when she had said yes, I was like, what do the neighbors think? Yeah. How do you think it's going to make somebody feel? Especially 12-year-old girls. You have a, a, a track record of running your mouth up here, man. And you keep doing it. Corporate's gonna get called. You ain't gonna have no job. You understand that? Nobody has time for all your. You understand? I'm sorry that you feel that way. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. Do you understand it? That's not cool, man. When they got 12 year old yeah. girls coming up here with pads, oh, you don't crack jokes, homie. You don't crack jokes. You need to say I'm sorry. And shoot. You don't crack jokes, man. You you do this all the time, dog. You've had complaints called on you multiple times. You know that. Mm, yeah. So by corporate, I think he means these hands. All right. Here's the thing, man. Why would you say something like that to a 12-year-old child? A family is there. Uh, I I believe the guy who said you fly the mouth. There's no way in the hell you just started talking like that. All right, that's inappropriate, sir. I'm glad you got checked. Maybe you will discontinue this kind of uh, behavior if it is in fact pattern behavior, as the man suggested. Uh, but listen, uh, Dollar General, you may have a problem. All right, share your thoughts. Send him to the dock, Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> There's a chair with his name on it. I mean, so just give him the bag, man. Nobody asked you to say, no. I'm sorry you feel that way. Montgomery, the dock, yeah. okay, hat throw. That's it, doc. Yeah. That's it. His response, the way he responded, I'm sorry you feel that way. Uh -huh. that, that made me even mm. more upset than when I originally got there. That's, yeah. that's the wrong answer. I heard okay? it too. All right, Sharon, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Pleasure's mine, and again, that exclusive out of the city of Atlanta, Cop City. I know you're gonna stay on it, brother. Uh, yes. Sharon Reed Live across all platforms, TYT Sports, I'm thrilled to be part of it. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, Doc. You too, always a pleasure to have you. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Mm -hmm.